welcome to the Horror Screens podcast. I am your host, Peter, alongside my co-host, Stephen. Hello, folks. Hi. He's back again. Uh, if you don't know, mm-hmm. this is our podcast is an extension of the Horror Screens Video Vault website, which you can check out at horrorscreensvideovault.co.uk. And for this episode, we will be talking about viruses. Because hmm. why not? It's a topical thing, subject at this precise moment in time. Oh, yeah. So, but before that, Stephen, before we jump into viruses and other things like that, I guess we should uh, really, really, really talk about how well you did at the quiz this this, this is, uh, weekend. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it was a triumph. Uh, I was fourth, which isn't bad, really, is it? All yeah. things considered. Yeah, out of four people. So yeah. if you don't know... context, yeah. On the, uh, the YouTube channel, The Horror Vault, there is now a, a weekly quiz, which is called The Quiz on Haunted Hill. And yeah, it's gone down. I think it's gone down quite well with people. So it will be making a, a weekly occurrence. So you'll potentially see Stephen on there again in the future. Hopefully he'll do better than the second episode. But we shall see. I have to admit, I, I didn't know a lot of it. So I was mostly just making things up after a fashion. Um, and my, drowning in Jack Daniels. That's what one of my friends said. So I said, um, I said, Stephen got a bit sozzled. And most of his answers were Brian Blessed. So... I think I had to have a Brian Blessed, Blessed rank next time, just for the sake of it. I didn't. I was enjoying myself a lot, but I didn't realise how totally drunk I was until I started to stand up at the end of the night, and then it was just quite embarrassing, and I pretty much passed out. And it was <laughs> Friday night, not uh, that I was going out or anything. I did. I did say to my friend, "I wonder if uh, I, I'm curious if if um, Stephen or anybody that are in the uh, recording of the." quiz whether they, they re-watch it to see what they see what's like or whether that to see how how they act i thought i wonder if stephen actually watched because it potentially no. could be the could be the first time he's actually seen himself on video drunk so it's terrifying <laughs> do you know what the, the next morning or maybe not because i think that the next day was kind of a write-off but um uh, at some point i looked at my answers and ridiculous because i couldn't remember half of them so I, I don't i had no idea in out of context i had no idea where why it said you know brian blessed and a sheep or something <laughs> but also my writing was getting ridiculously huge by and i was why, why, what's this about when did, who took over my body last night it, yeah i did notice that when, when the quiz was going i thought oh it's nice oh dear it's going, it's going down <laughs> it's gone, it's gone. the ship's going down ship's going down due to a technical fault we have lost Stephen. <laughs> but yes that would be a weekly thing that people can come on and yeah. Steve will be returning again in the future. But be better behaved. I'm so sorry. Yes, you should all be better behaved next time. But there we go. But anyway, Stephen, that was that. Now, now that we plugged the quiz, hmm. we shall talk about what we've been watching this month leading up to today's recording date, which is the 19th of April. So what have you been watching since the last podcast up to today? Quite a lot of stuff. Uh, there's been quite a few screeners that have come the way of the uh, the website. Quite a few quite cool stuff on Netflix and the other uh, channel streaming services, etc. And of course, we've had a little bit more time. I no longer uh, have my drive to and from work. So there's a bunch of spare time that's been freed up. Um, I watched a, a good Bigfoot movie called Hoax, which I quite liked. Oh, that's something. I, yeah, I watched that the other day. I knew it was something else I watched this month. I'm just trying to remember what it was. But yes. I have watched that as well, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm sure the lead guy in it is—it wasn't he from Farscape? I don't know. I never watched Farscape. I, I, be- I do I, not know. I believe that's what he's from. I vaguely recognise him from that. Yeah, it had Brian Thompson in it, which most people would know as the bounty hunter from X Files. 
the shapeshifter. Yeah, he was yeah. great in X Files and a whole bunch of is it Xena and the whole things are like that. He's TV sci-fi and fantasy, wasn't he? He was huge. Yeah, and he's, he's in the first Terminator film as one of the yes. So um, I don't know biker rogue oh. type people at the beginning. He is, and he's also one of my favourite films of the 80s is the nuclear paranoia movie Miracle Mile. He's also one of the, uh, let's say, slightly camp people at the gym. Oh, yes. Gym in Los Angeles circa 1988 in Miracle Mile when the bomb is about to hit, and he's got a fantastic haircut in Miracle Mile. Um, (laughs) He's actually a really, I mean, he's a great imposing presence in things like X-Files, but he's actually a rather good actor, and he's, he's good fun as the kind of security muscle the sarcastic um, ex-Marine in Hoax. And Hoax, uh, if you don't know, is is like a, another Bigfoot movie. But it's done really well. And it makes a change from all of the, the found footage um, Sasquatch movies we've had of late. It's got a lot of references to horror movies. Adrienne Barbeau is in it. And movies like The Fog are mentioned. And it also has a, a great score by Alan Howarth, who used to do a bunch of music with John Carpenter, especially for the Halloween sequels when John kind of moved on. So... Yeah, hoax is good fun. Good creature design as well. Hoax in this country is known as Bigfoot. That's what it's been released as. And it's been released by High Flyers Films, I believe. Yeah, it's a shame it's got that title because although fairly accurate, um, people will think they've seen it before. I mean, how many films has got that kind of title? It's a very generic. Bigfoot. Yeah. yeah, In regards to the Adrian Barbeau thing, when I first started watching it, I didn't know she was in this. And then... um, there's some, I can't remember what the line was, but it's something about... I, I think it was something along the lines of what do you think is going to happen? It will come out of a crate and it will be a killer or something. And I thought, oh, well, there's, yeah. there, 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 there's your creep show me- mentioned. Well, how many lines are we going to get from... Yeah. <laughs> so... They talk yeah. about the, the scene with the the fisherman on the boat in the fog, don't they, as well? And there's, yes. there's an exact remake of the... What I think is a great sequence in Friday the 13th Part 2, which is the campfire explanation of who Jason oh, and, uh, is. Uh, at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty much word for word, which is, you know, it's fair enough. It wasn't annoying because it was quite a likable movie and nice to see a movie like that being good fun, really. It would, it's definitely it's definitely one of the later years uh, Bigfoot films I would definitely re-watch. I know that because yeah. obviously there's been so many out there that suddenly kind of go, yeah, that was OK to watch. Would I watch it again? Probably not. Mm. But this yeah. one I, I would quite happily re-watch. So, yeah, yeah. Good. hoax or Bigfoot, as it's known over here. Well, I also watched that, Stephen, but I also watched Magic from 1978, which is, of course, the Richard Attenborough-directed film featuring Fats and and Anthony Hopkins. So Fats Fats the puppet and Anthony Hopkins, but most people would know as... Is it Fats or is it... Oh, he's called Corky, isn't he? He's Corky and the dummy's Fats, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So most people would, if they potentially have read the novel, which was done by William Goldman, I believe. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I also think this is the only entrance by Richard Attenborough into basically our genre of horror. Sort of fits on the line of horror and thriller, doesn't it, this film? It, it is, although he is, of course, it, it kind of... Uh, ventured into horror. He's really good as John Christie in 10 Rillington Place as an actor. Um, so I guess this was his directing thing with horror and playing a very disturbing middle-aged white serial killer in 10 Rillington Place was his acting foray into it. I thought it was just, because I haven't, that's another film I haven't watched in years. 
I watched it. I forgot how good it was. I, Which I knew. one? Ten Rillington Place? No, no, Magic. Oh, I haven't so watched sorry, Ten Rillington Place in a while, but Magic, <laughs> I, Magic I haven't watched in God knows how long. So when yeah. I rewatch it, this is this is a lot better than I remember it. Of course, you, if you haven't watched anything for a while, you sort of remember only bits and pieces. So then when you rewatch it, maybe you've watched it at a younger age, but now you're watching it at different age, you're, you're picking out new things. So yeah. You notice you notice more. Well, I tend to find no. I notice more uh, the way Anthony Hopkins is dialogue and the way he pulls across the lines. He, he's slowly mentally breaking down because, of course, he's not quite there really as Corky and his puppet. Yeah, he's great, and you do tend to take Anthony Hopkins for granted, especially when he was doing the, the Hannibal Lecter thing a bit too many times because it became very panto in the end. But you do forget how great he is with a role like this and The Elephant Man, a whole bunch of stuff, 70s and 80s, where he was really, really strong. And he's and, brilliant in magic. And it's, <laughs> it's always weird when you see Anthony Hopkins with hair. <laughs> yes. And That's yeah, what... fresh-faced and got hair, yeah. yeah. Yes, that's what I, I thought. So, but yeah, it's got a great lineup. It's got Burgess Meredith as um, his, I guess, his manager esque agent type thing. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, oh, what's the name of the woman? Um, Anne Margaret. She's in it as well, isn't she? Yeah, he, she's his like love interest, his old girlfriend from years ago or friend. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I I quite enjoyed it. Of course, a lot of people would probably reference the. Uh, Michael Redgrave, Redgrave segment in Dead of Night in regards to you know similarity type stuff, but they're both separate things. But yeah, I can see where it would be similar. But yeah, that was one of the things I watched anyway, along with Hopes. Cool. Yeah, Magic's good. It has a pretty good Jerry Goldsmith score as well. Oh, that was it. Yeah, that's the other thing I was going to mention about it. But yes, there's that. So what's your next thing on your watch list? The next thing I watched... It's not quite, it doesn't quite work, but um, there's a film called Dreamland, which has come out recently. I think it's on streaming now. Oh, with Stephen uh, yeah. McCatty, done by Time the director two. of Pontypool. Yeah, yeah. If you like Stephen McCatty, you do get two for the price of one in Dreamland. Wow, they cloned him specifically for the film? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's in it twice. It's the only explanation because he's, he's like acting alongside himself, which must have been really confusing. Um, well, it must be the same as yeah. when Mike, Michael Keaton did Multiplicity. Yeah, there were seven of him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that movie Twins with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Same technology. Yeah, 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 but obviously that was early technology and it went, yeah, but hey, hey, it still worked. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, So, yeah, Dreamland is mental. And as you said, it's by the director of the really excellent Pontypool. And that also starred Stephen McCatty. Stephen McCatty has like two roles. He's a trumpet player and his character name is actually Trumpet Player, which I think was quite a good choice. And he's also an old fashioned kind of private eye in a shambly coat and a hat. That's how you can tell the difference. One's got a hat on and a coat. And um, Henry Rollins is mental as this uh, this this crime lord that's uh, just started getting into underage people trafficking and his plan is you watch the film for a while and you think oh this is yeah blah 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 do 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 yep and then suddenly the plot shifts into this thing where henry rollins is basically marrying off a 14 year old girl that he's brought in through the trafficking to a vampire oh, you know okay. well, when did this happen and uh, this vampire is somewhere between uh, a kind of nosferatu figure and he but he does a hannibal lecter impression at one point and 
the vampire is the brother of Juliette Lewis, who has this castle where she's got this big party and there's this massive shootout involving children. It's it's just totally bonkers. And it, it doesn't quite work because it feels like it's just been sat around a table. Oh, what's the wackiest thing we can do next? I know. <laughs> it's Juliette Lewis free because uh, she's totally off the, off the wall and unhinged. But it's good fun because it is so different and um, there's nothing else quite like it out there. So and if you want to see Henry Rollins with a kind of blonde buzz cut going totally <laughs> mental for every scene he's in, it's worth it for him. And also Stephen McCatty, who's good in everything. And in this case, he's good twice because he's uh, he's probably the only one that's acting like he's in a kind of almost serious movie where everybody else has gone batshit mad. Well, I... I put the news up of that film up on the site, and now, that, of course, you're rereading it, make sure it's all correct. And I was reading the synopsis to it, and I thought, this sounds completely bonkers. This film. <laughs> Is that correct? Yeah, but I think you've I think we've got a couple of different press releases all mixed into one here. <laughs> the film's exactly like that. It's partly David Lynch, there's a bit of uh, Mika, Takashi Mike, parts of it like that. It's got some gore in it, but it's not really a horror film. It starts off like a private eye movie, but it's not that either. And it ends up somewhere in the middle and it does run out of steam a bit. But Stephen McCatty just gets to perform. I've forgotten what the name of it is, but it's a classic smooth jazz number. He does that in full at the end while all this mayhem's going around. Yes, it's worth what worth it. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, the one of the things I watched, which I find correct, is something that you reviewed maybe last year sometime was Firstborn, which is not to be confused with however many different titles there is there out there, which was yeah. that which was that Latvian film from 2017. Director was... Oh. I don't... Well, I'm probably, probably going to uh, butcher this name, but it's Ayak Karapetin, I want to say. Probably oh. isn't that, but yes. So that's the, the, the film where um, they go to a, an oriental um, dinner party and they all say that again they bring up a game about truths or lies or something then you have to mm. make up a game is do you think this is true do you think this is a lie and of course it gets a bit uncomfortable by the woman saying how she was approached by her boss at a place and basically told to have sex with him etc so of course everybody's like oh yeah. yeah you kidder that's that's clearly not something that's happened but it probably has and then they go out she gets her bag her handbag snatched off by some motorcyclist and the uh, I think it's her husband or maybe her boyfriend goes up to confront him. It doesn't go well, and then eventually he goes out to to hunt down this motorcyclist and accidentally kills him, or does he? Because yeah. somebody keeps sending messages and sending things about you know that that we know your secret and whatever. And of course, then it all breaks down a bit further into the film and. Yeah, it's quite enjoyable. I think, and I'm not going to bring it up. Yes, you did. You, mm. you also look at the, your review. It's going to say it has uh, similarities to the Cohen's Fargo in its story, which, yeah, that's sure. That's, that's kind of what I got yeah. from it as well. But yeah, I thought it was quite an enjoyable film. I, I didn't really know what to expect from it because I read the synopsis of it and I wasn't entirely sure. So, is it something I'd rewatch? Maybe. I'm not entirely. It's not something you. Yeah, you. If you had a pick of five films, and that was in it, it wouldn't probably wouldn't be my first pick out of all of them. But it's worth watching. It's uh, basically a revenge psychological thriller type thing, I suppose. Yeah, that's what I'd more describe mm. it as. But yeah, it's interesting. It's out cool. by uh, Art Exploitation Films, which is always a good uh, label. They they bring out loads of uh, 
interesting stuff. We've seen loads of different things from them over the years. So yeah, true. Yeah. So there's that. And I don't know if I've got anything else that potentially you might have watched this month. No, so I'll let you take the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Very enough. Um, yeah, so I also watched this month A Stranger Among Us, which is the new film by Chris Moore, who has been around for a few years doing oh, interesting yeah. stuff, actually. I really like Chris Moore. He's a presence on, I think it's Twitter or Facebook I I follow him on. He's always quite entertaining. And his films are very entertaining. Um, The first movie I watched of his was Blessed Are the Children a few years ago. Yeah, which is is really good. It's a really unusually good tribute to old slasher movies, um, particularly Canadian slasher films. It's really well done and great characters. And the trend continued with a movie I didn't like as much, but I think I need to rewatch, which is Triggered which is a really different movie, but you can sense it's the same guy that's made it. Oh, I, I actually quite like Triggered. I thought the, yeah. the, the, lead, the lead actress in it was doing a really good job. She is so. sensational. Yeah, she's fantastic in a really uh, brilliant part. Yeah. Um, she's also in A Stranger Among Us, although she's in a supporting cast rather than the kind of movie-hogging role that she has in Triggered, which is very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, Stranger Among Us is, again, it's a real different shift for Chris Moore. Every film he's made is a different kind of subgenre of horror. This is more along the lines of something like, I would say, Carnival of Souls or those weird spooky 70s films like Let's Scare Jessica to Death or Messiah of Evil. Um, it has a very John Carpentry electronic score, which I think all of his films to date have had something influenced by that in the music line. But it's about a guy that uh, basically has a nightmare where he seems to predict a school shooting where he works and then the school shooting happens. And it's about the aftermath of that, not just the spooky supernatural stuff or maybe supernatural stuff where he can see that he's being followed by something but also just the impact of, of what happened in the school. So it's partly a serious commentary on gun control. It's uh, got a lot of the very Chris Morris humour that is in all of his films, like um, the good characters are there. Uh, he writes really good characters. He writes really funny characters. And he writes a great character for himself in this one. Yeah. And and he wins the prize for best character name of the year, which is Jarvis Coker. Jarvis Coker. Yeah, it was not affiliated anyway with with the other one doesn't sound like anybody i can't think possibly what name that might be referencing to i have no idea no i I just can't think of it either um but he's very funny he plays like um slightly paranoid and twitchy flamboyant palm reader um who uh befriends the hero and uh and after about half an hour calls him his bff which is always a bit of a worry but there's a really lovely chemistry between chris moore's character and his husband in the movie so there's all these kind of incidental stuff that's happening underneath the um the spooky main plot which which also doesn't really go the way you think it might um but it's also a movie about the treatment in america of the elderly and about grief and obviously shootings like we said so mm-hmm. it's a smart and really thoughtful horror movie made by a talented guy so well worth checking out i shall add that to my ever expanding potentially i will get around to it one day maybe film list make it uh, so yeah. Make make it so. Okay, Captain Captain Picardo will make That's it me. so. Thank you. <laughs> um next film I watched was Ellipse, which is a sci-fi film from 2019, which I've described to people as it's basically Martian, if you've seen Martian with Matt like Damon. Mm. Yeah, it's basically that film, I would say, but it's a guy who gets sent on a mission to go 
check out a planet. So he goes up in his little spaceship, but he's always he's always drunk. So when he ends up, he crash lands on the planet, and the planet is shaped like an egg. So everything that goes on the planet onto on the planet isn't what you would expect normally for a planet. So planets are normally round. So of course the magnetic pull and the gravity would would be normal where but on this planet because everything's all topsy-turvy things go back to front seasons seasons blur into one so one minute mm. it's snowing constantly next minute it's perfectly sunny but it's all about him trying to get his self and his dog back off of the planet so it's basically martian but with a man and his dog this time but it's done really well he plays a really good character and of course it has a, a really good dog in it for a character which hmm. you know it doesn't obviously it's not really it's not doing any acting of, of any sorts but of course it becomes its own little character anyway but i would definitely put that out there it's done by joe bland and grant martin and grant martin is one of the two main characters obviously the astronaut not the dog <laughs> but yeah it's, it's, it's really interesting you should uh, definitely that's check out that's another film that's coming out this year i don't can't tell you when but it is coming out this year from high flyers films sometime in this year but that's definitely something i, I would uh watch again it's, it's 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 got a bit of comedy-esque moments in it like, as you'd expect a bit like martian you know when yeah. he's trying he's trying to work out elements of how he's supposed to in martian you got a bit with the potatoes of how long he, how can he make the potato last a bit longer than great, what he's yeah. To. But yeah it's i would describe it as that but it's really it's really good it's definitely worth watching so That's put that cool. put the put that on your watch list, Stephen. And do, you know, oh, do you know what's really nice is that I never really thought about it until just now is that high flyers are still going because um back in the nineties when it was often a horror movie drought, they were one of the video companies that um you could rely on that would be putting out things like, I don't know, Warlock Two and nineties uh, yes. <laughs> uh things that never made cinemas maybe except in America for a week, but um were often quite fun. And High Flyers, I think, must have... Um, and Return of Living Dead 3, I seem to remember, was one of theirs. Yes. Um, they had a good line. They had a good scene, taste for really gory action films or fun horror movies of the 90s. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So Ellipse was the name of that film. I believe that is its title will be out over here as well. But, yes, definitely mm -hmm. check that out. And I'll say my last one as I'm babbling. The last film I watched is the film that I've got to do the uh, review thing for, for the Fantastic 50s magazine, which is sold via Hemlock's Books, which, of course, all talks about 50s movies, etc. So the film was The Thing That Couldn't Die from 1958. And it's about uh, people who are looking for water on their farm. And the, the main girl who is uh, Carolyn Kern, I believe that's her name, um she's very good at divining with you know the stick and finding water but then when she when she's trying to hunt out water she comes across something evil underground which ends up being a decapitated head which is still alive and talking because the guy who had his head chopped off was a satan worshiper and if you connect his head and his body back together then of course he gets all his hmm. his powers back but so he's been basically been alive since the 1600s up till that time when the film was made but carolyn curran's really good at it because when she's first the main character in it she's quite meek and mild and sort of airy and then when things change on the movie she's got a whole different persona and but it's that complete different contrast of actors or actressing as i was like 
that's an actress I could see because I, I haven't seen her anything else before. But when I looked at her at IMDb, I was like, oh, yeah, you did a lot of stuff. She was in the Waltons and stuff like that. So, yes, hmm. the, thing, the thing that couldn't die is definitely one of them films which I'm surprised I haven't seen before. It's actually really good. It's got really good special effects because I thought it would be obviously the head, a chopped off head. It had to be somebody who would have to carry around a mannequin's head, basically, for the majority of the film. Yeah. But now you, you see the person you know, blinking and talking. So, of course, it was probably shot with you know, blue screens and whatever else to blur out the, the guy. Unless they actually found a guy without his own head. I, I don't know. You know, never know what you can find. In oh, they're Hollywood. out there. Yeah. Never know, never know what you can find in Hollywood. You can find all sorts of things. In fact, yeah. I think uh, I think there has been some uh, outrage from the headless community that they weren't represented in this and they just got a, you know, few special effects and stuff in it. And rightly so. Well, the director was Will Cohen, who did loads of stuff. He produced loads of stuff in the uh, 30s and 40s, more sort of musical stuff for like Abbott Costello and people like that. But yeah, yeah I hadn't seen it before. So I was actually pleasantly surprised when I watched it. It's only about an hour, hour, 10 minutes, I think, which is about average for that period, I would have thought. Yeah. But yeah, check it out. I believe it's, prob- it's probably on YouTube, I would have thought, but... I bought the, I think it's the Warner Classics release of it. Obviously, I have to keep re-watching it. So, yes, put that on your watch, Stephen. Go, go, go. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. I do like the 50s stuff. I like that they're in and out in an hour and 10 minutes, like you said, and they're often got these mad ideas that are just, you know, totally bonkers, but loads of fun. I'll have to lend it to you one of the days. Oh, so you can you watch it. it. Oh, yeah, oh, if you think about it, yeah. you know. Okay, I'll think about it. Ah, oh, that's good. Let me know when you've decided that's good news yeah okay yeah decided yes you can borrow it there we go write that down so i know to expect it marvelous um yeah recently seen i've got a couple more if you've uh shot your load yeah my load has been shot so continue yours well that's what it was um so yeah i rewatched uh nightbreed although i suppose in a way i watched it for the first time because i watched the uh the extended Tea ladies, directors, producers, Carl. Yeah, yeah. The um, Nightbreed I hadn't watched for years and years, and obviously I'd only ever watched it in the version that came out, uh, released by the studio that decided they didn't like um, Clive Barker's film, so they changed it all. <laughs> in fact, they sacked the editor and brought on the uh, editor that worked a lot for James Cameron to change into more of an action film. And there's a actually one of the, the the stuff with Nightbreed. The thing with Nightbreed is that the behind the scenes stuff is actually more interesting than the film itself, as far as I can kind of tell. And there's this great stuff in the extras on the Arrow Disc, which is the company that's brought it out in the UK. Although I think it's probably very similar disc to the one in um, America on Screen Factory. Um, which is that at one point a studio exec said, "Hmm," they'd kind of taken a look at it, and he's like. Well, there's a danger that the audience could actually feel sympathy for the monsters. Clive Barker, you had to cut to Clive Barker going, yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah. We, don't want, we, don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to sympathy for the monsters. They're <laughs> evil, evil characters. Can see. So the, the movie was chopped and changed. And uh, I remember liking it a lot when I was younger, but then rewatching it a bit later and thinking, well, I'm not sure this really works and being a bit disappointed. But the Cabal cut is, is clearly the best one. I know that there was a... Uh, and even this is two hours, so it's only about 20 minutes longer than the theatrical version. But apparently it contains 40 minutes of new footage. So they've obviously swapped some stuff and added right. some stuff at the same time. Um, and it's really good. It moves really well. It's got the, the ending you wanted. It's got more monsters. You spend a lot more time in uh, in Midian. 
Um, it's still got the extra things that the studio wanted to make it more of a slasher film. Like they added like an extra couple of kills with David Cronenberg that were very slasher esque, but it more effectively works as a movie where all the bad guys are the idiots in authority, the priest, the ridiculous sheriff, you know, the, the psychopathic psychiatrist, which is the biggest joke of the film. Um, and all the monsters are the good guys, or most of the monsters are the good guys. Uh, Craig Sheff is still boring, as he was in the original version. He's the hero. He's still yeah, totally dull. But Anne Bobby's quite good. She's the heroine that goes out to try and rescue him from Midian. But it's a better film. You, you do get a lot more monster for your money. And it is the film that Clive Barker wanted to make. Um, but there is, a, I think the version they showed at festivals was, was quite boring because it had a lot of uh, rough uh video footage it was about two and a half hours long right. and this is the final director's version where it's all polished and it's all hd and everything and it's as he wanted it to be so it's well worth picking up the set is as i said especially worth it for all the behind the scenes uh chicanery where clive barker was pretty much dispirited with movie making in hollywood because they totally trashed what he wanted to do and they even gave it there's an interesting bit where they uh, one of the main American posters was actually just a reworking of the poster for Bad Dreams, which again made it look like a slasher film. So they they totally uh, tarnished it, and probably it's the reason why he only made three films in total. More than likely, I, I, in regards to uh, what you were saying, it's on the Arrow Video release. As mm. you didn't say what it was, Stephen. It's Arrow Video put it Arrow. out. Arrow, but yeah. I've got that set, but I haven't. I haven't unsheathed it yet. It's still, it's hmm. still, it's still all protected, Stephen. It, it you got to break it open, right? You're gonna just bust its seal. Nope, gonna leave it like that. Steaming. Nope, leave it like that. Oh, <laughs> stroke it occasionally. I know the kind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dust it off oh, the shelf geez, every now no and again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean the video? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yes, yeah. That as well. Yeah, no, it's a great release, and the extras are—I've I've only watched a few of them, but the extras are superb from what I've seen. There's a lot of them, so everything you need to know about Nightbreed is in there, with a nice cover. How many bags of Smarties did they eat per scene? That's one of the things I want to know. Oh, it's twenty-three. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Something yep. to something to learn. Exactly, you'll learn a lot from it. Kim Newman pops up in that same room where he does all of his extras. Of course, uh, he does in the same outfit. <laughs> Was that all done the same day? One epic uh, day with with all his books behind him. I've written yeah. a couple of books. Have you noticed? I wrote this, you know. <laughs> it's just, and he he always looks like he's really having a good time. I like that he's he's one of those people that smiles constantly when he's talking, and he he obviously knows every single thing that he ever is asked. But um, yep, good to see him again. Okay, yeah. so. That's anything else you've watched? Uh, four, has it you've said so far? Oh, the only other thing, which is a really good thing, which is uh, I finally watched Color Out of Space, which is the return to horror or return to filmmaking by Richard Stanley, who mm-hmm. back in the day, uh, he crossed over to America, I, I'm sure, but back in the day, quite big in the UK because he, he had a decent-sized hit at a barren time for British horror called Hardware, and then a kind of weird, surreal second film called Dust Devil. It's a combination of spaghetti western and supernatural horror, which didn't quite like as much, but was still interesting. Um, He's been away from filmmaking since The Island of Dr. Moreau, where uh, it's a famous story. Check it out online. And uh, from what I've heard in podcast interviews, he spent 10 years in a mountain with his cat, uh, meditating and taking a lot of drugs. And um, Colour Out of Space is his return thanks to the wonderful Spectavision label, which is Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah's label, 
who have mm-hmm. brought a lot of really strong movies like Come to Daddy and uh, Mandy. Um, and it's great. It's it's the familiar H.P. Lovecraft story that was filmed before, or has been filmed before a few times, especially by Independence, but in the 80s as The Curse. Mm-hmm. And it's about, in this case, it's got Nicolas Cage uh, as an alpaca farmer who thinks alpacas are the future and you get to see an alpaca being milked, which is apparently a, an arduous process, but in the end, the products of a very strong quality. So I quite like learning that. And um, yeah, he's a uh, he's a farmer. He's married to Jolie Richardson, who's got cancer, and a meteorite crashes to Earth and begins changing the environment around them and then changing the people, their family, their kids as well. So you do get to see Nicolas Cage going crazy, uh, ultimately. But uh, a bit like with Mandy, it's a real performance as well. So it's not just him going barking mad. It's There's a lot of uh, more depths to it than you might think. And it's got some amazing creature effects and a lot of purple. It's I, really good. I do like a HP Lovecraft uh, yes. film if somebody makes one. But yes, yeah. that, as soon as they said that was coming out and that Nicolas Cage was going to be in there, I thought, oh, that's going to be interesting. But oh, yes, I've had it on my... my it's, one of the films that I potentially will end up getting anyway. And then it'd be the first thing I've watched, I would have thought. You should, man. Apart from, I would say, apart from the Stuart Gordon ones, the obvious ones like Dagon in particular, and, and Reanimator, although, of course, that's uh, very different to the, the source material. But um, this has got to be high up there in the sense of really, really good Lovecraft adaptations that feel like they've got the essence of the original stories, which are barking mad as well um, and a little strange. Hmm. Yeah, go so, watch Color Out Space. It's on streaming. It's on streaming. Go, go, go. No. So yeah, we've had a we both had a, a busy month of watching stuff. Yeah. Which I imagine a lot of people have at this precise moment in time. But <laughs> which kind of leads into what we're gonna be talking about, which is movie warning sign which of course there's there's a virus going around in the uh, around our world currently at the moment so of course we're we're keeping that theme going with this episode so do you want to kick it off Stephen? this one yeah sure warning sign that's the movie from 1985 what were you doing in 1985 pete i was one you were one oh you were one years old (laughs) Oh, of course. Yes. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah. Probably not much then. <laughs> Soiling yourself on a regular basis. Yeah, not so lot much different now, really. Very different. <laughs> Our times have not changed whatsoever. <laughs> and the mushy food continues. Yes, I was, uh, I was seven. Um, 1985 was a great year, actually. It's the year that we first got a video player in the West household. Ah, 
VHS, the old top loader, not the band, uh, the actual machine. Clunk, clunk. Hit the buttons that are like the size of a brick. <laughs> oh, get your father, the tracking's gone again. Oh, My mum didn't speak like that. It's just, you know. I was gonna say that's a ter- that was a terrible impression of your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was the the great year of '85. A lot was going on, but yeah, 20th Century Fox made this film, so it's uh, one of the more mainstream films we've covered in Retro Rewind, in the sense that it's by a major studio. Although the film disappeared, really, as far as I can tell, it didn't really do a huge amount, despite being clearly a good-looking film with good production values, as you'd get with a studio film. It's shot by Dean Cundy, who did a lot of the all the famous uh, John Carpenter movies like The Thing and Halloween. And, um, yeah, it's a very good, very pacey, twitchy spin on a movie that we'll mention later, The Crazies. Oh, yes. Um, uh, this is set in a or in and around um, the biotech, biotech agronomics, which is... Yeah, biotech agronomics, which the spelling is, for the biotech bit is spelled incorrectly to um, protect the filming company from potential lawsuits that also use biotech is spelt differently in regards for um obviously biotechnological uh, places but in regards to this film they changed it the spelling of it slightly so he couldn't get sued (laughs) (laughs) why not and it's kind of the whole the whole film i suppose but the the corporation and this movie's cynicism about this stuff going on is pre things like the umbrella corporation and the resident evil movies and the company and aliens that runs through that franchise there's these massive uh, corporations that are behind some real shady stuff and they don't care about human life it's all about the the cash it's all about um, the profits Stephen. all, about, all the profits. about the profits yeah which of course is not at all a factor right now in what's happening there's there's none of none of this to be concerned about whatsoever human life is always top of the list top priority yep get the economy open by tuesday so yeah it's so a bunch of things please do yes oh you want it okay i'll try my best yep. um so yeah so this has got a really good cast so straight off the bat you'll spot people like richard dysart who's got a key role he's from the thing kathleen mm-hmm. quinlan is in it she she was in a huge amount of hollywood films like yeah, apollo 13 jerry hardin who is the dad uh he's on the outside of this uh company where this accident has happened they've dropped the test tube which officially the official line is they've dropped some experimental yeast um yes it, i i totally but i totally believe the government's line that it was um experimental yeast that had nothing to do with biological warfare i <laughs> totally believe what's going on yeah exactly this is the kind of <laughs> that that kind of says it how it is really there's the great the famous the the line that's in all of these movies is there are no cause for alarm right before this woman that's been exposed has been put into effectively a body bag even though she's still alive um yeah experimental yeast is the official line um but clearly it's something much worse despite them saying oh it's it's not it's a non-event um it's declared an emergency on the inside, whereas we're, we're both following the characters that are trapped inside the building and the ones outside, where, of course, Major Yafet Koto shows up. Well, that's um, not his name, Stephen. He is Yafet Koto, but that's not his name. He's playing <laughs> it's, himself. Is Major Connolly. Is that's his name. it. Yeah. Not Major Yafet Koto. <laughs> <laughs> he turns up. And a common thread we'll see, I'm sure we'll mention later, is obviously in so many of these piracy horror movies, it's uh, very much about being skeptical of the government, of the military. Yafet Koto is, I suppose, the face of the government cover-up. He's the mm-hmm. he's in charge of the containment team. 
Um, although he, he, he turns up meant to be the voice of reason and reassurance, but he's really just there to promote the company's great strides in genetic engineering and farming. And well, that's that's what, <laughs> that's what these sort of things do, don't they? they? They they do that sort of thing with a lot of things. They they they're there to put an official statement out, but also to put people at ease. But by the way, next Tuesday, don't forget to watch. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, okay. Sure thing. <laughs> no cause for alarm. Um, yeah. No, ignore the big, ignore the plumes of flames in the background. But remember to go do this. Absolutely. Um, Sam Waterston's another good actor that's in this, and he's Kathleen Quinnan's husband, boyfriend, occasional lover. I can't remember. Husband. I I believe it's her. No, it's, yeah, their husband. They're either husband and wife, which I would ho hmm. hope so for the sake of this, or they're related, or they have the very similar last name. So it could be any one of the three, but I'd like to think it's because they're married. So Kathleen Quinlan plays Joni Morse, and Sam Watson is at the local sheriff who plays Cal Morse. Oh. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. And he's uh he's a sheriff. He's a sheriff in town. He's got polio, which I thought was quite an interesting yes. um character point um in a movie about virus. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite cool. Um, he's on the outside as well, and uh, he's quite good because he's quite funny. He's, he provides a lot of the humour, like they're talking about gene splicing and things like that as part of the, the Blue Harvest thing that's involved in this. And um, <laughs> he jokes about the corn they ate Chicago, which sounds like a, a film that they should have made in the 50s with a giant stop-motion monster, but never did, unfortunately, unless I missed it. Of course, there's always a chance of that. Potentially, potentially. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, so if, if you're wondering what you know him from, if potentially i guess in our vein you might have recognized him from the tales from the crypt episode as you so potentially you might have seen him in that but most people would know him as i think he was the da in the law and order series for ah uh, yeah decades so yes that's one of the things he was in but um yeah yeah so yeah as you said he, he plays the uh, local sheriff who's trying to obviously put everything back to normal in regards to you know the, the 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 corporation is trying to do their thing protect their own backs but of course all that he really wants is to save his wife and all the people that are inside of course the whole majority of them are his friends but like you said mm. it, it does bounce between the panic and all the mayhem that's happening with inside the uh building and what's going on outside with Yefek Koto and his people which are basically must protect ourselves at all times nothing's going on here nothing to see move on yeah and what there is to see of course is it's it's basically this uh this uh, a, a thing that will become much more used in later virus horror movies mm -hmm. it's uh, something that attacks the, like the rage center of the brain and um they're knocked out for a while and they, the people inside that are affected return as kind of hostile um, psychotics really they're um, so angry Stephen. So they're angry? really angry and the mortality rates off the chain you've, you've got very little chance of surviving this after you've gone mad and tried to chop up your your work colleagues mm. um so yeah it drives you crazy and then it, it kills you basically um is the setup and it's yeah. it's done really well isn't it it's it's a really fast-paced kind of uh, tense movie um 
I think I think it's a really strong one. I thought it was. I was I was trying to recall the other day when potentially might have been the last time I watched it, and I would think it was sometime in the nineties. And I'm still surprised to find that it hasn't been released in this country. The no. some it's only been is it Scream Factory or Sound Factory? One or two. Yeah, they did. Yeah. in America. So yeah, it, it's it's definitely due a release over here. I would have thought. I'm sure I'm sure some company might cash in with it. You know, where everything's going on at the moment, might as well cash in with the. Mm. Uh, <laughs> why yeah, not they should and yeah i think it would do really well actually because it is a good looking film the i think you saw the same one as me it's on it's on an hd print on amazon prime yes that's why i watched of it pounds yeah. or three pounds uh and i'm sure in america as well but um yeah it looks good because it's it's a well-produced studio picture so the restoration is obviously uh, a good one um and it's very much uh, a mainstream version of your typical george romero containment does have it does have the studio ending which we won't spoil but certainly it has more survivors than romero would have allowed um i but, can't rem- I, yeah. I can't remember what his actual name is but he plays the one of the the um cops in the police academy movies he's one of the main characters in this but playing a straight role so it's the guy who's kind of big um He's always yeah. argumentative, argumentative, and always wants people to do their jobs properly. But in this, he's not. Isn't he Schmidt in this. Is it that's Schmidt? that's yes, yeah. No, but I was trying to remember what his actual real name was. But yes, I in the uh, in the police academy films, am I right? He is the guy that's um, that's involved in the classic gag with the the blowjob sequence, right? That's him. Yes, that's the guy. He's also in Mannequin, I believe. He's in the uh, first. Mannequin. He's in the Mannequin, which what? Stephen, which by the way, Stephen does not like. He hates that film. It's one of his. He hates that film. He's even <laughs> he's even devoted his life to setting up a website to say how much he hates it. Please check out I Hate Mannequin that movie <laughs> from the eighties dot com, uh, but uh, and check out while you're there Kim Cattrall Must Die dot com, which uh, is just a spin off website I created. Can't kill um, Kim Cattrall day. <laughs> I hope she doesn't die now. That would be a terrible thing to have said. That of Be- course was a joke. You- beautiful one. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh it does have a great song though the great thing about mannequin is nothing's going to stop us now by starship who used to be jefferson starship right yeah and then they 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 got rid of that got, got rid of jefferson just had thomas starship. jefferson yeah yep. but uh, yeah so uh, yeah it's got it's got him in it anyway no, uh, I can't, oh I can't yeah him. yeah oh and it's it's a great cast of thousands uh i, I don't think i said anything but the other guy that's in it who's the the annoyed dad of one of the people inside is jerry hardin who He's a great actor. He's in Big Trouble in Little China, but for me, he'll always be deep throat in the X Files, um, season one, and pro- probably came back as a ghost later on. But deep yes, throat is not my favorite. He, he, he comes back in a few series, yes. but I think it's maybe third series, maybe the last one. Mm. The, the guy that I was trying to remember his name, it's George William Bailey, is his uh, name. George and yeah. yeah, so most people will also know him from. Yeah, I was right. He was in uh, Mannequin and. Yeah, basically, basically, he plays the same character pretty much in Mannequin as he plays in Police Academy. But in this film, he plays a straight-laced scientist who, of course, says <laughs> alarms going off in a in a biotech thing. What's that to worry about? Let's all go back to things like everything's normal. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> the alarms go off for a reason. <laughs> yeah, he says it's a non-event event. Yeah, yeah, that's he's that he's that guy. Um, yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, it's got Jeffrey DeMunn in it as well. Jeffrey DeMunn's an underrated actor and he's probably best known to a lot of people. I can't remember his character, but he was a big part of The Walking Dead. I just can't remember what his character name is. I'm sure someone we know would know straight away. Um, 
Jeffrey Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah. What's he called? Jeffrey Duran. He's also in The Hitcher. Um, I'm sure he's like the sheriff in, in the proper Hitcher, not the fake one with Sean B. Um, yeah, Jeffrey Duran's great at playing, uh, underplaying eccentric roles. He's the guy in this one that's this hydroponics guy that's uh, beefing up his own vegetable plant at home, growing <laughs> bacteria and stuff. Um, and he's also, Sam Waterston does a bit of this, but he's also there to be the exposition guy. He's the one that's going, oh, yeah, I knew they were trying this stuff out, but <laughs> he, he's got the plot to fill in for those that haven't quite caught up. So, In uh, regards to that, the guy who's doing the uh, making his own stuff at home, what did you think of his lovely sounding, I definitely would not eat it, pancakes he's having for breakfast, <laughs> zucchini, zucchini um, pancakes. Yep, yes. I'm coming to your house for dinner. Yeah, this guy this guy's ex biotech, isn't he? He's left the company. Yes. He's that he's that old employee that's uh, still got some grudges and and but a lot of useful knowledge at the same time. So we need you, Jeffrey. Yeah, Come and back. the stuff he's Come eating back. is mental. Just... Chick chicory coffee. <laughs> Yeah, what's that? <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, I'm busy. I can't now. Uh, I'll come around another time. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's not a thing. But yeah, all the characters are really good. Even like the, you know, the people that only get maybe a couple of lines or things. So like the guy who uses the blowtorch to try and get back into the building. He's yeah. all, they've all got their own, like, even, yeah, like some of the minor characters are even had a bit of fleshing out with their own characters. You have Bob, and I can't remember what the woman's name is, but she's the woman that um, gets put into the the basically the body bag, blow up, uh, yeah. blow up thing straight away. They they've got a, a love interest <laughs> thing going on. Isn't she the one? I think it's her that the TV news interviews, uh, and uh, is she the one that gets out and they talk to her and. They ask her about the company. She's like, "Well, yeah, the pay is really good. The benefits are really good." <laughs> yes, yes, they, they, that's they. A great moment. Yes, they. That's when she's still in her uh, little bubble suit thing, and then she goes, "How do you think it's going?" She doesn't doesn't mention anything about what's going on. She's like, "Yeah, they're a really good company. Really look after you. <laughs> good pension scheme." Uh, you know what? Even though everything's really hitting the fan at the moment, they're paying me overtime, so that's really good of them, isn't it? They're reasonable, yeah, for a big corporation. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just terrific. Um. Not, yeah, at all, very... not at all potentially what would happen in all of those sort of scenarios. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, absolutely. And um, and it's interesting, especially the time that we're in, that Jeffrey DeMunn um, suffers in this film from having really shoddy PPE, which um, is which he figures out when he's trying to sort out uh, Kathleen Quinn in a climactic moment. Yes. It's a it's shame. A, it's, a, it's, it's really good. I really in, I've really enjoyed re-watching it, and I... I only remembered certain scenes of it when I was watching. So I remembered when they um, go a bit do lally, you know, when they first get the virus and then they change it. But they don't really say what the virus is, do they? Did they say originally it's a strain of um, something that made a couple of horses in, I think, maybe Siberia or somewhere like that, made them go a bit yeah. mental and they, and they end up killing each other so they took the blood from that and of course why don't you make it why do you make a weapon out of this because this seems like such a great thing to make a weapon out of what could, go, experimental what, what, could, what could go wrong oh oh was it oh, oh i i must have, i must have read the just wrong a, story oh, oh okay yeah just it was in usa today so we know it's true so yeah uh, okay. experimental yeast okay. it's all under control low level infection um yeah nothing to see here but yeah, it's it's really good. I really enjoyed the whole good. the whole for the film all way, all way through the film. I suppose if it was made now, I could imagine it being very um, quick shot, 
you know, cut cutaways and quick action shots and explosions, blah 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 blah, as mm. opposed to a. It's not slow. I wouldn't say it was a slow film, but there is a, there is a good pacing to the film to allow you to build up to up the inevitable, which is going to be, of course, the viruses. Now leaked its way out into who's still contained within the building and who's going to be able to survive it yeah 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 i think it's really well paced i i'm a big uh anti those uh overly fast cut things where you can't actually see what's happening like the rubbish car chases that are cut within an inch of their life this is um properly made i, I think and it's got um what i quite like is kathleen quinnan's character there's a degree i think with her of that kind of um era after ripley quite a lot of uh, tougher female characters survivalist characters in the lead roles and she's not one of the most memorable ones but she's pretty good in this and there's a good reason why she's uh, a survivor in this film as well um, which makes well, a lot of sense th- th- there's a scene when she comes down in the elevator and i went that looks straight out of aliens that does <laughs> yeah it's that era isn't it um and of course that that build and build as the decades went on and then every film like this would have a ripley style character but back in 85 i suppose it was still quite a novelty she's really yeah. good she's good in everything that she does um she was in uh, american graffiti wow, one film she's yes. in. uh event horizon which is a great film i, I love event horizon yeah event horizon's really good yeah uh, you mentioned apollo 13 earlier and one of the other things she's been in is kojak the tv series she's been loads of stuff you looked up her imdb she's been in more stuff than you probably think she was in um the hills of ice remake as well yeah she's the mum, isn't she, she um is. of the good family yeah yeah of course i'd forgotten that yeah so yes, she was in that, and I mentioned uh, what Sam Watson was in. Yafet Koto, of course, was in. Most people remember him from Alien, and most notably, probably the uh, bad guy in Live and Let Die. Yeah. So. Yes. What's his go. name? Ah, oh, what's the character's name? Live and Let Die. Yo. What his character? Yeah. Well, it's Baron Samadai. Oh yeah, yeah. That's one of the guys. Is that his character name? I think so. Oh, I don't know. That sounds yeah. right, but it could be wrong. But, but Bar- no, Baron Samadai is a different character in the film. That's the guy who's trying to get um, Bond to go in the alligator pool or something. I didn't watch that for oh. a while. Let's have a look. His name's Mr. Big. Mr. Big. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Mr. Big. But yes, then then he takes off his mask later on. Because when you first meet him, it's, it's a white guy in Let Let Die. And then he pulls off his mask and then you find out she has that coat underneath the mask. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, this film was done by um, Hal Barwood, which I don't didn't really recognise the name. So of course, when I looked it up, he uh, directed this, obviously. And he co-wrote this with Matthew Robbins, who wrote, along with Hal Barwood, he wrote um, Dragon Slayer from 1981, the fantasy film. Oh yeah, which is a really good film. Yeah, but other than that, they... They both obviously done other things, but there's nothing really else about those two. And I thought, ah, considering how good uh, Warning Sign was and Dragon Slayer, etc., is I would have thought there'd be more. But I suppose it's probably in that time when they're like, "Hey, big budget films are doing really good. We, you know, we want special effects, etc." Do you yeah. do that? But no. Well, we're more story based. But no, no, we want special effects. So we'll get rid of you. We'll bring somebody else. In. So, yeah, it's it's a good one. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, the, I did like the uh, the virus thing. Cause you could, yeah, you could have went one extreme to the other with the virus. You could have went you know, straight balls to the wall and you know, frothing at the mouth and all that kind of malarkey. But it's it's subtle. It's subtle rage, I suppose, into what it yeah. would be. 
I think it's one of the better ones because in the wake of uh, something we'll talk about later, 28 Days Later, there were so many of this kind of thing, whether they were zombies or not. It was a moot point because they were all basically the same thing. Um, yeah, this is one of the better ones. I prefer this to most of the ones that came out in the wake of 28 Days Later. Hmm. Well, I would say if, if this was to be reviewed by myself, I would give it a five bad out of, my bad self, five out of five stars. What would you have given it? I would give it a good, good old, very, very tip of the hat four. I would say. Huh. Huh. <laughs> oh, don't be like that. <laughs> oh, you're going to be dreadful in bed tonight. Oh, 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 oh. No, not what to send you next time, then, don't they? <laughs> oh no, Anthony <laughs> Bridges again. Yeah, Danny Trejo and Eric Roberts films coming your way now. That's all oh, you're going to no, get. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> So yeah, that's 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 that then, Stephen. I think oh, that's, that's, that. that's that. That's that. I ain't got nothing else to say about the film, but apart from it's really good, definitely check it out. It's definitely yeah. it's definitely a film of our times in regards to obviously what's currently going on in the world. It's got nothing to do with potentially what somebody's genetically made, but it's a virus. Hang on and, a minute, it's not what I've heard. And and uh, of course, the virus is what's going on with the virus and how people panic and all that kind of things is definitely relevant to what's going on at this precise moment in time. Oh, it's very much that. And it's in the cover and the media's reaction to it in the movie and the people that turn up that are totally unreassuring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I, I, was, I haven't heard you mention, I thought you might have mentioned the trailer because I do know you like the trailer to this film. The trailer's fantastic. Yeah, check out the trailer on YouTube. Um, it was one of those memorable trailers that long I'd forgotten the movie. I'd watched it on TV, and this is only the second time I'd watched it. But I always remember the trailer, which is just this long, lingering shot, and it's the voiceover, the voiceover guy that did so many of those '80s trailers, saying these are the signs of warning, and it's so menacing, and it gives you a very brief glimpse of what happens in the movie of the the infected people and i think the tagline is something like pray for the people trapped inside this building long pause pray they never get out it's I, chilling i think the the trade doesn't you said about the that these are the warning signs doesn't it go for all like the oh a yeah few, a few of the sort of, well, not some many. are all too familiar yeah so you got like the, the wet floor sign and all those kind of things and then it goes to Better the radio the radiation the radiation one and then of course then you get the oh dear oh dear if you see this side it, it's yeah too it's too this late this one represents the most uh, i can't remember exactly the words but yeah this is the most horrifying of all um i always thought wet floor was a big worry it always really used to unsettle me if i saw that sign anywhere i'd be always the one that would fall over the sign not the, not the wet floor oh no the wet floor's fine <laughs> you are, oh, need a sign need a sign to be put down to let you know about the sign Wet floor side ahead. Oh, God. Oh, wet floor as well. Jeepers. So I was just looking this up. This film grossed worldwide just under $2 million. Oh, man. Never okay. watched its face. Yeah. But there you go. So, yeah, it's really good. I totally suggest watching it, Stephen. Apparently, its working title was Biohazard. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. But there is a movie called, or later there was a movie called Biohazard, wasn't there? Was it the Fred Olin Ray movie that was yeah. called that? But, Damn, Fred. Yeah, yeah. So definitely go out and watch it if you haven't seen it already. Why not? And if any uh, film companies are listening to us, us to Babylon, why haven't you released it in the UK yet? Explain yourselves. Yeah, yeah. What you got to say for yourself, you, whoever you are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we're, talk we're talking to you you know who you are who are we talking to i don't know oh. <laughs> anyway so yes that was 
our retro rewind for this episode, Stephen, the 1985 movie Warning Sign. Yeah, I had a which, good time. Which was, uh, yeah, out of the ones we've done so far, I would say this is probably the most mainstream of the retro rewinds. Yeah. I can recall. So, yeah. Now, Stephen, as we mentioned, this is quite a topical thing that's going on with the world at the moment. We will continue the virus theme, pandemic type thing. But so these films that we will be yeah, briefly talking about will be films that are obviously not post-apocalyptic. So, of course, not after you know everything's gone tits up or tits down, depending on you look at it. Um, and not things that become uh zombie films mm. so so you know if it starts off as a virus and then it becomes a zombie film then obviously we're going into zombie territory so we we're trying not to mention those sort of films but of course there is a thin line between certain films where you know you can sort of go it well it is a virus film but it does kind of go into zombie territory so where do you where do you cut it off i suppose that's it isn't it because the the way that horror genre has most commonly dealt with virus and pandemics is through the medium of zombies, where the zombies are standing in for everything else. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. But yeah, that, that would make the uh, the most sense, I think. And of course, somewhere along the lines, they will be doing a zombie episode anyway. So we'll be covering, mm. the, we'll be covering those maggot-infested people anyway. And, and the zombies. The zombie. oh. <laughs> we have one mind that we share between us. I'll have you, next weekend. You, You've been reading my notes again. <laughs> I can see everything from here. Oh, put some oh. trousers on. Oh, dear. Oh. Sorry about that. I wonder what that blinking light was at that last night. That blinking light. <laughs> oh, I'm so around now. <laughs> okay. So let's um. kick it off then, Stephen. So um, I don't know if you want to do it in, in specific order in regards to the virus films or whether you just want to just chuck into any film really yeah any film any decade kind of thing because of course you can go from anywhere really you can go from Ooh. the fifth you can go down to the 50s upwards with anything. a rebel 
yeah i suppose yeah well we can we can do a meander around them um i think it's worth noting that so many of these these things from decades of movies um spring from like the same sources like there's a few sources that uh, not that kind of source that seem to just constantly be recycled so i would say a good starting point is i am legend the book by richard matheson yeah which has been made directly but has also been ripped off endlessly by things like 28 days later is one of them um and it had an awful film with will smith in it which totally missed the point even though it kept the original title total total garbage uh, I got that out of my system. Feel much better. Um, Day of the Triffids is not a virus movie, but the, the the opening act of Day of the Triffids is again something that feeds into the virus movies. Basically, the opening act is the opening act of Twenty Eight Days Later and the opening act of The Walking Dead on TV. Um, and uh, big books like Stephen King's The Stand, another massive influence on Twenty Eight Days Later and loads of other things. And book, I think the book of The Stand came out late seventies, early eighties. I have to check that. Um, but um, another good starting point, I think, which has been hugely influential is the Romero stuff. So the crazies, which I, I think is 1973. That does sound vaguely familiar. You carry on. You carry on with your, your wording and I will oh. Google it. Oh. Continue. Continue. It's good with his fingers. Yeah. So um, the Romero Please. stuff, I mean, Night of the Living Dead, of course, which we're not going to talk about because it's zombies. But Night of the Living Dead works in a similar way to the crazies, which is the fact that romero's point which is what we're all feeling right now i think is that it's not so much the virus you have to be worried about it's the people and yes. that includes your government that includes your military and that includes the people next door who are possibly going absolutely batshit mental due to self-isolating um and romero was no one was better at him than doing this and um danny boyle for 28 days later took pretty much everything either from the stand or from i am legend or especially from romero and if you watch uh -huh. the crazies you'll realize hang on a minute this is basically a good version or a better version of 28 days later um and it, it's it's really good i mean um a bit like warning sign in the crazies there's a big cover-up they calling this thing which is turning people in a pennsylvanian is it pittsburgh i presume it's pittsburgh it's pennsylvania is that I the same thing i, I would have well it's pennsylvania's in pittsburgh that's it Yes, it's Pennsylvania. Name that place, Stephen. Oh, is it Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> Show the quiz. Oh, God. I'm so ashamed. Um, yeah, so here, yeah, here uh, the movie's also called Codename Trixie because Trixie is uh, a bioweapon, basically. Yeah. So uh, like with Warning Sign and a bunch of these films, we're not just tapping into fears of what nature might throw, us, uh, throw our way, but it's also things that are being uh, created by our governments. Um, that could come back and bite us all on the bottom. And in this mm. case, they're saying, oh, the plane crashed and with a vaccine on it. Um, but we find out pretty early on that it's a bioweapon that's crashed into the uh, like the water supply of this, this small town. And the movie's very much about um, less so the effect it has on the people, which we do get to see, but it's more about how alarming the military are in covering it up and how willing they are to cover it up by killing people. And then ultimately, uh, a feasible plan for them is to just nuke the town. You know, that's that's on their list of things that we might have to do. Oh, well, these things happen. Um, but it's also the movie that scared me when I was little because it has a, some really creepy individual scenes like the openings really scary where this dad goes mental and uh, sets fire to the house. He's running around the house with a crowbar, sets fire to it. He kills his own, I think it's the daughter that dies. Um, and there's a great scene with a, a sweet looking old lady who's smiling and she stabs a soldier to death with her knitting needles and then she carries on knitting. <laughs> which is 
very disturbing, as are the scenes of the authorities that show up and basically roughly round up men, women and children and drag kids out of bed and um, take over the town. Ultimately, it's it's tr- you know, truly hopeless. Either you're going to die of the virus or through some other horrible means. Um, so The Crazies is, is a massive influence on so many of the rage type virus movies or don't trust the government type virus movies that came in the decades since um, it was indeed 1973 oh yeah and it's, it, this one stars lynn laurie as well doesn't it yeah she's weird she um she's really good um she starts acting strange quite early on and um gets progressively worse um she's oh, quite distinct yeah i've always liked her the first time i ever saw her in something was i drink your blood Oh, yes. Which also is a virus film in its own right, because that's rabies. Of course, yes. But put, the... but put into pies, because who doesn't want a pie full of rabies? Mm. They sell those <laughs> in Greg's. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, yeah. Well, not anymore, of course. Greg's no, has well, okay. gone the way of the apocalypse. Hmm. Shame. But, yes, uh, what's, there's another film that's mentioned in what you were talking about. Oh, 28 Days. Do you know about 28 Days? I haven't really got into the 28 Days films. I know a lot of people, you know, pick them up and think they're great or whatever, but I've watched them and I thought, yeah, it's, just, it's not really for me, those films. Yeah, the well, I, I always thought the, um, the thing that annoyed me about 28 Days Later, I mean, it was a, a big hit and uh, it was really well-reviewed um, back in the two, uh, 2002, I think. Something um, like that, yeah. It was it was famous because uh, they did some filming in the early morning, closed down London or you know, closed down what was operating in London at four in the morning or something. So it's got that opening stuff in empty London with overturned buses and bodies in the streets and stuff. But of course, that's been done loads of times before. And now, uh, I guess um, we can probably see a lot of that every day. Uh, yes, yeah. it's a great relief for anyone that's ever been to London. And <laughs> um, but what annoyed me about 28 Days Later is that the interviews of Danny Boyle, there was a, there was an awful lot of that that mainstream directed chin striking of well yes I mean it's it's not a horror film yeah, make it clear it's not a zombie film even though I've borrowed everything from Nightmare City or George Romero and other things was, so there was a lot of poncing around what was clearly a George Romero ripoff um, I think Twenty Eight Days Later it's really good up to a point so there's a good opening thing animal activists uh, like letting out the virus effectively because it's they're freeing some chimps in lab it's the rage virus so a bit like some of the other films we've mentioned it's a rabies oh, style virus I, w- I was i was about to say hang on a minute you mean there's an act animal activist group that let out a bunch of monkeys that had a virus hmm this sounds like a film from 1995 directed by terry gilliam oh 12 monkeys 12 monkeys it's the, even called 12 monkeys yeah exactly <laughs> which is great <laughs> 12 monkeys is a fabulous but i always like that one um so um and it's spread by uh, blood and saliva and it gets in your eyes, or it gets in your mouth and you, you go mental within about 20 seconds or something. Um, and it's, it works up to a point. It's this it sort of cuts, obviously, 28 days later and Britain is is a wasteland. Um, insert joke here. There's no government, no TV, nothing. People go to the supermarket just to loot it. Um, yeah, well, you better pick up your 80-inch screen because that's going to help you feed later. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me, actually. I'll... There's no electricity. There's no electricity, but oh, at least you've got that 80-screen TV. You always <laughs> Get it. <laughs> um, 
but but ultimately it goes down the familiar route where the army comes in and it's it's Christopher Eccleston, isn't it, as the the dodgy um, yes. major or, or colonel or something. Um, so it's a bit of the stand. It's a bit of the craze. It's a lot of Day of the Triffids, loads of Romero, but it has a happy ending, you know, um, at the point where you think, oh, this is getting quite interesting. I can't remember exactly what happens, but I know they have a car crash and they all survive. And then you realize that the infected people are starving and it's, it's all going to be OK. Um, in truth, I think the second one's much better. 28, we- uh, 28 weeks later, rather, is a bit more of an honest splatter movie where it's the same premise, but obviously a few weeks later and yes. um it's the same thing of the military are the ones that have lost control and you've got to be more afraid of those than anything but it just has a bit more spirit and it's also got um it's not a shame to have things like a massive uh rage thing decimation with helicopter blades like the scene in dawn of the dead so 28 weeks later is a better film because it's a more honest kind of yes we we know we're a horror film here's some helicopter blades be, it'd be interesting because obviously there's always been that talk of them doing a third one Will they actually do it, and where do they take the story? Oh, hopefully not. There's nowhere else to take it, is there? Because it's it's already a rip off of other films from long before 2002, and it's been ripped off loads since then. So no need. Totally pointless. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure never... we shall see what happens in the future. So yeah, of course, I just mentioned Twelve Monkeys then, which you haven't watched. T- the TV series is really good if you haven't watched it. I'd like to watch the TV. I really like the movie, which I haven't watched for a long time. But yeah, I hear good things about the old TV show. The TV show is brilliant. Um, ah. I understand why it ended. But then it, for me, it was kind of like the story basically got wrapped up anyway. So I'd rather than end it as opposed to dragging it on just because they're pulling in good ratings on it. And of course, then it hinders the story. Hi, Lost. Anything else you want to add in? <laughs> oh, sorry, I lost you there. Twelve Monkey TV said, "Yeah, sorry, I did lose you." Um, yeah, no, I haven't seen it, and um, I will. Is it finished forever? The, well, the series is finished, and so, but you imagine you can find it on Netflix and Amazon or whatever, or some streaming sites. But yeah, yeah. The, series, the series is really good, and of course, the movie from nineteen ninety five, which, as I previously mentioned, was uh, animal activists go and uh, release monkeys from a lab somewhere, which I believe they had what virus they got, but it had some sort of virus. And of course, that causes havoc to everywhere in the world. And then, of course, you have Bruce Willis, etc., as characters having to go back and forwards and uh, backwards in time to uh, try and work out what's been what happened for it to go that and can things be mended. So, yeah. obviously, it's more of a sci fi in that element of trying to amend what's happened but hmm. the virus things but you had monkeys you know, virus things they actually got uh obviously 12 monkeys and play the apes yes is a notable one with uh, a virus that you know we'd be yeah. messing we'd be messing around with and look what's happened look what's they happened a, they did a really good job but uh, what is that the uh, i really like the i like all of the planet of the apes films maybe not the tim burton one but um What's the what's the first of the recent trilogy? The Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Just yeah, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, Rise, Dawn, and yeah, that's that's really good. They're all really good. Those ones. And uh, another one with monkeys in, of course, is Outbreak from nineteen ninety five, which is fun. Yeah, because it is the movie where Dustin Hoffman wanders around wherever it is with a picture of a monkey, saying, you know, oh, so many people are going to die unless I find this monkey. Have you seen this monkey? This specific <laughs> monkey. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> outbreak is is ridiculous but it is quite good fun um, um i remember I, was... <laughs> I remember sprinting that when it first came out 
and it being a film that we, we all really enjoyed and it became something we watch all the time anyway but yeah definitely one i've enjoyed that is uh, a bowler in that one yeah that's right and it came out at the time when people were you know sort of trying to ignore that people were dying horribly in africa and oh, it won't affect us um, there's nothing there's nothing we're trying to ignore it so what we do is make a big budget hollywood movie that way it's a good way of ignoring it yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's one where they easily save the world you know it's um because it turns up in a pet shop, doesn't it, from Africa, which is where yeah. um, so many uh, bad st- bad things happen. In the 70s, the thing to fear from Africa was African killer bees, which was a, a popular tabloid thing. And it obviously led to films like The Swarm, um, where there genuinely is dialogue where Michael Caine says things like, oh, the Africans. And he means the bees, but obviously yeah. um, probably not. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Donald Sutherland, I remember as being the bad guy in Outbreak, who's just this mad colonel that wants to use it as a weapon and just happens oh, to wipe out villages. Yeah, as I say, he's a um, in that he's a general who obviously wants the virus to use as a bioweapon because huh, why not? We don't want to. <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want to make a cure with what's going on. We just make a make a bioweapon and instead of curing the people that's got, we just wipe them out with, <laughs> with a weapon instead. <laughs> okay <laughs> just, it's it's totally mad but yeah it's the uh the only film i think where dustin hoffman like jumps onto helicopters and rants about a monkey for a couple of hours yes the i did mention this to you recently was the film blindness which was from 2008 oh which, yes which i don't know what the, i don't know what the virus is i don't recall it but that's a, a pandemic film so i think it's based on a portuguese novel and yeah. uh, uh, basically a, uh, a pandemic hits the, around the world where everybody becomes blind. Maybe a couple of people don't. And of course, then they're the people that have to look after everybody else that's blind and having to look out for them. And I think it's got, if I recall, it's got I know Danny Glover's in it. Uh, yeah. Mark, Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo and Julianne Moore is the leads in that film. But I can't remember, I can't remember what the virus is, though. But isn't it just that isn't it just like white blindness or something it, it might be just that maybe it's just that but yeah i remember watching that and i've only seen it twice probably when it first came out and once again when it was on telly but it's one of the films i watched and i thought it's all mentioned to people and they go nope never heard of it you think why have you not watched it it's really good but there you go yeah and another there's a that reminds me of um yeah yeah blindness so i have seen but i don't remember much about it but there's a great see, film. see? Like, exactly like i said <laughs> i'm one of them oh god um there's a really good film uh i'm not sure i think it's probably like after that but called perfect sense with ewan mcgregor and eva green um, ah yes you have a lot of sex in the film actually if you're well, into that kind of thing what into sex um, or just or just just watching eva green and eva mcgregor have sex oh no particularly them to specifically them too um i think yeah. you do get to see his his uh his thing um Dingleberries, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. I didn't want to use cock. Um, <gasps> so, he's chicken. So yeah, no, Perfect Sense is really good. Perfect Sense is maybe my favourite of all the virus movies. Um, it's maybe not horror, but it's it's as depressing and disturbing as it goes. Um, which is where similar, I suppose, to blindness, uh, people all around the world slowly uh, lose their senses. I think it starts with smell, then tastes. So you've got. I remember there's like weird montages of people eating mustard and flowers and. Uh, <laughs> mad stuff tables um but then the madness sets in and you you kind of start thinking oh yeah actually this would truly happen you can understand the anarchy that happens which is people everywhere everyone around the world or almost everybody loses their hearing at once so society falls apart and 
and it's got that very kind of prophetic stuff of TV broadcasts saying, oh, you've got to stay at home. Home is the safest place to be and people delivering food parcels in hazmat suits, all that kind of stuff, which you see in the Romero things as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it's total despair. I mean, there's a Eva Green and Ewan McGregor have a romance. So that pans out. But the whole film has no hope whatsoever. There's, there's no way out of this. People are doomed completely. But, um, you know, at least they're together and doomed is the message of the film. I suppose a film, well, it's kind of tough. This is one of them films, like I said, you put on a line of post-apocalyptic and zombie films. Because if, if I recall this, it does happen. I think the, the pandemic happens before, but then I think the majority of the film follows what happens in the post-apocalyptic world, which is the Chris Pine film Carriers from 2009. Oh, yeah, yeah, Chris, yeah, absolutely. Which, which mm. I don't remember much about it, because I think I've only seen it once, but I've pretty sure there's a scene in it where they're driving in a car because i think they're driving somewhere to which is supposed to be the you know the savior town or whatever this is where everything's going to be all grass is greener on the other side kind of thing and i think they're in the car with a couple that have got the virus and some and they haven't got the virus but they put a plastic sheet between the driving passenger seat so they don't get it but as they're driving there the seal breaks on it and of course potentially they've got the virus as well they have a it's, seal in there as well a seal and everything or, well, or just seal the singer oh seal a kiss from a rose uh, exactly peck yeah. on the cheek from a whip it. Uh, i've only seen how much but i said that is on that that's like i mentioned it is one of them on the, the on the line of post-apocalyptic type things so it, have... yeah yeah uh, yeah oh so, sorry I have half seen the carrier uh, carriers. Um, it was it was one of those things that occasionally happened where I went to an all night event and carriers was shown at four in the morning, and uh, and is as you probably know is quite on the slow side with not an awful lot of decapitations and uh, I just gave up because I was wanting some sleep. But um, yeah, uh, it's worth a watch. I don't remember much else about it, but yeah, it's not even good to see Chris Pine doing yeah you know, other stuff and whatever else. Yeah. Um, another film that you probably should mention is Black Death from 2010, which is uh, yeah, the yeah. Sean Bean film. So, it's, or, as it's, the title says, it's about the Black Death, so it's the bubonic plague. Hmm. Of course, what goes on in the film is exaggerated a bit in regards to you know a town that says, well, you have this in a lot of these sort of um, films where there's got to be a, a place where everybody says this is the the place to go because they have to cure all this is the place where everything is fantastic but in that film it's everybody's got the black plague apart from this little town but something mysterious is going on in this town with a witch etc so of course it, the, the vein of the film slightly changes but yeah bubonic plague in that film hmm. so there you go so yeah so That's um trying to think what else is there is out there probably has loads Oh, well, Cabin Fever. I suppose we could mention Cabin Fever. Yeah, Cabin Fever was, was timely because it was the old uh, flesh-eating bacteria, wasn't it? Yes. So uh, I haven't actually, still haven't seen the remake yet, which was, what, 2016, oh, was it? Yeah, Somewhere the there. remake. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, the remake was just god-awful. I did, but um, I've, watched, I've watched the sequels, and I think the third one is when the guy goes down on a woman to obviously do his his joyful things that he wants to do and he comes up and of course he finds that she's uh, got the virus and that's the only way he finds out yeah Just by doing that he think lovely <laughs> there is moments in that isn't there because there's um 
because the first one I did rewatch the the original one, which I, I don't think is very good actually. It was really hyped at the time, and I think I probably liked it then, but I didn't reckon much of it the second time. But it does have a couple of good moments, like the leg shaving scenes, really good. Um, these small moments of personal horror, and I think in the in the first Cabin Fever is where somebody's being fingered, and that's how he realizes that she's perhaps not too well. Yeah, um, I, can't, I can't recall much about the second one at the moment. Oh, the second one's the one good one. The second one's the one I really like, which is kind of played for sick laughs. It's just pus and exploding heads, and it's uh, just a, like a gross-out horror comedy, really. But oh, better, better at the comedy than the original. I have to give it a rewatch along the oh, top, somewhere on the line. Yeah, it's like a nasty kind of teenage high school musical with a horrible virus. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, watch the second one. I like that one. So, um... 1971, we're headed to Michael Christian's Deodromada Strain. So, well, based on his novel, anyway. Must have seen that. Yeah, Deodromada Strain is really creepy. Yeah. Which is, that's that's um, an infected organism that falls to space. Yeah, a space germ, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, then everything happens. And, of course, a bit like a lot of these things, will they save the day, blah, 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 happy ending, (laughs) da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. Um, and you brought up um, I Am Legend and uh, things like that, but they're they're viruses. Uh, well, I Am Legend, Omega Man, and that kind of thing. Viruses, viruses crossing into zombies, crossing into vampire territory. Yeah, they're vampires, aren't they? In the uh, at least in the original uh, story, yeah. Yes. So, um, uh, Contagion from twenty eleven, which is yeah. the film with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, Contagion's really good. Contagion basically is what we are living in right now. Um, yes. Except that no one really watched it at the time and thought, oh, this is a bit... Actually, Contagion's clever because it part of Contagion is just in making a point of how people poo-pooed things like SARS and swine flu and BSE and everything. Oh, that blew over really easily. And then when something truly big hits and everybody shagged, not in that way, um, no one's prepared, you know, Um they've got a disease that's got a mortality rate i think it's one in four in contagion and it doesn't cop out it's, it's a movie oh, the thing about contagion is that in 15 minutes Gwyneth paltrow falls ill dies in hospital has a skull opened in an autopsy and her son mm-hmm. has died at the same time so it brings in big stars in the 70s disaster movie style to kill them off pretty promptly and ruthlessly um it's a great movie to watch now because it's full of people coughing and close-ups of handrails and people in small spaces with a bad cough and a fever and it reminds you of nice facts like how many times you touch your face in an average day um yeah no the contagion is a really bold hollywood movie where um they do solve it they get a vaccine suspiciously quickly but not <laughs> not until <laughs> we found it off not until um it's wiped out i think it's, it's millions of americans and around the world yeah. the suggestion is that it's been absolutely atrocious um, but um I, su- I suppose you could for uh throw in dream catcher into the uh a virusy kind of parasite type thing because that's an alien obviously in the dream catcher film yeah i haven't watched but, that for a long time yeah, yeah that's, that's a, an, an invasion of um uh parasitic aliens isn't it that works its way into people and it sort of spreads out between them but yeah, I've only, I've only watched that a couple of times. That's there's a lot of toilet scenes in it. Does it come out of your ass or go into your ass? I think you're watching a different movie, Stephen. I do not I'm think sure that's this. Toilet... <laughs> I may have got this confused, of course, with something that happened the other day. But I'm sure there's some toilet scenes where the suggestion is it's yeah. 
we mentioned I Drink Your Blood, which is a great film anyway. That's been one of my favourite films. Last Man on Earth, we mentioned. Last Man on Earth is really good, yeah. Uh, Mask of the Red Death, I guess we could say that. That's a virus. Yeah, that's, of course, yeah. So either one, it could be the uh, 89 one or the 64 film. Either, either, either. either. Um, Omega Man, again, is, you that's know, good mentioned fun. that. Don't know what else, really. What uh, is, um, well, it's Ponty Ball, I suppose. But Ponty then again, that, that, that's going into zombie territory again anyway. So. Kind of is, yeah. That's yeah. the virus spread by the language, by the English language, which has got some cool things happening in it. Um, Shivers. Shivers and Rabid are the perfect duo. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those are great virus movies. And they're very 70s movies as well, isn't it? Like uh, Shivers is about people becoming nymphos, really. Uh, sex virus, effectively. Spreading in an apartment building, and the other one is is just as bleak. The other one's got that great ending where Marilyn Marilyn Chambers, yeah, that's yeah. the name, yeah, is chucked onto the the rubbish truck like so many others. Um, after spreading rabies all around Toronto or Montreal, it's mm. one of the is that it's, the quiz? It's in, it's in Canada. Oh uh, well, I don't know. Maybe, oh, maybe, no, maybe, 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 maybe. Yeah, yeah. Cronenberg's movies were, or a lot of them, were about viruses. Like The Fly is, is essentially a movie about watching your loved one die of cancer or AIDS or, or whatever he was thinking at the time. Um, and Rabbit is is just a really good um, movie about the same kind of stuff. Mm. Do you have... I was just thinking, another one which, um, which I really liked from a few, also from Canada, and it has that kind of Cronenbergish thing, but it's also, I suppose, in the category of technophobic horror, is a film called Antisocial. That's that's a good virus movie. That was, that was one I was about to say as well. That's mm. You say like, techno-virus. I was always going to mention Hackers as well from 1995 uh, or 96. I haven't seen Hackers. I remember Hackers uh, coming out. Yeah, it's 95, 1995. That's a computer virus. I'm sure it's yeah. 1995 or 96, and it stars... Oh, I can't remember the name of the man, but the guy who ended up playing Sherlock in uh, Sherlock Holmes. Well, not, Sherlock uh, Holmes, or whatever it's called. Johnny, the, no, not... No. Uh, Johnny, yeah, it does sound... Vague. Johnny Lee Miller. Yes, him. So was, oh, it Holmes? Okay. was it Holmes or Sherlock? No, Sherlock, isn't it? Is that easy? Oh, I don't know. So, but yes, it had him in it. So yeah, that was a uh, computer virus unleashed by an yeah. evil genius, because why not? <laughs> yeah, and in anti... Yeah, that's... Yeah, and I... Can't believe I never watched that. That was kind of a, a sort of a cult thing back in the nineties. Um, yeah, antisocial is an infection that's from a like a subliminal pattern installed in software to increase traffic to this Facebook-style social media platform. Um, but the thing mutates and then it creates a like tumor kind of growths in people that use the website. So they created to get more people, but now the people tuning in are getting these horrible growths that turn them psychotic. So it's another spin on that rage style thing, but it's it's really effective. I think it had a sequel, but that's what I was about to say. I think saw it had it. a sequel, but um, yeah, like you, I haven't seen it. I'm sure it had a sequel. It's really good. But, it's a wave of Canadian horror in the 21st century or the last decade or so. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of. What do you? What's your thoughts on the movie of the or the mini series of the Stand? Which I think are they remaking that, or they were going to remake it before we turned into the Stand. <laughs> Well, now, now it'd just be a reality show. Yeah, so. <laughs> the fly on the wall. But, um, Saves all yeah, I actually, the miniseries thing is the thing that I re- more remember for the stand because that was the thing that I seen first. So the yeah. stand I would, I actually really enjoyed. I have to probably rewatch both of them, maybe back to back to get an idea as to 
the difference between the two. But I don't really recall it that much. But I do remember, I do remember like in a mini series. Yeah, it was a big thing, wasn't it, at the time? Like there was a whole bunch of mini series. Yeah, to- Tommy Knockers. It um, the Shining had its own little mini series thing. Yes, and uh, Stand. Langoliers, Langoliers. Oh, Some of them were terrible. Like The Shining, I always thought was pretty terrible. There's a reason they were topier animals and not in the the other film. Oh, I like the topier animals. They're so cute. <laughs> Look at their little face. Yeah, they're not they're not going to kill me. Oh, ah! <laughs> um, and the Tommy Knockers was terrible. But yeah, no, the stand the stand is quite good. It's quite. Uh, I remember the stuff with Mother Abigail being a bit rubbish, but there's there's some really good things at the start where the virus spreads and you've got like the churches full of corpses and things. And um, I remember Kathy Bates is in it going mental. uh, Well, the two bits I mainly remember from it that are caught off top of my head at the moment is uh, walking through a a cornfield because why not? It's a Stephen King thing. So you have to walk through Mm. a cornfield somewhere online and uh, being random scarecrow thing. And uh, the the bit, which I think is the towards the end of the first part of the miniseries, which is when he's walking through, I can't what the place is, but he's walking through a, a city anyway, and he starts walking, maybe it's Manhattan Tunnel, he starts to walk to go underneath Manhattan Tunnel yeah. to wherever he has to go. That's where the first episode cuts off before you see him again on the other side. Yeah. So yeah. That's basically why my memories of it is at the moment, but I probably should rewatch them again. Worth rewatching. It was really influential. Like uh, Walking Dead often reminds me of The Stand because it's a very long thing of people walking a lot, and it's you know post-apocalyptic America. Um, yeah, I think that book and that miniseries has been really influential, and I think I'm sure they were planning to to redo it, which I suppose makes sense. But who knows if we shall see it now? Except uh, out the window. I would imagine they would do it because, of course, after the success of It um, remake coming out, and of course, then we had a um, pet cemetery come out. So I'd imagine there'd be some other um, potential ones that it might potentially remake. So I could see the stand being one. Yeah. Um, maybe Tommy Knockers, perhaps. Yeah. But you got any other virus CCCs movies? First movie, um, the one I really liked, which I, I think is underrated, is The Bay, which is the Barry Levinson film from is that 2012. The, is that it's an Australian film? No, it's it's American. Um, it's what like am I thinking it's an Australian film? film? The Bay. You think of Summer Bay from the TV show Home oh, Away. Adventures <laughs> of Pippa and Tom and their many foster children. Ah, that uh, film. <laughs> it's Flathead Fisher, the, uh, the headmaster. Yeah. Oh, I miss Summer Bay. Yeah. I never watched Home and Away. Yeah, yeah maybe. The, the Bay's really good. The Bay's a really, really good found footage virus movie. Um, and it's one of those, oh, you know, the following story was never made public kind of um, faux things. But it's um, it is unfolds in a fishing town. It's Independence Day. And basically there's this uh, this leak that had happened years earlier from the local nuclear power plant that's uh, caused a chain reaction and this parasite has uh, infected the water and um, humans start bleeding and being sick and blistering and going crazy and it's very much about the cover-up so again the same themes from the crazies and all these other movies come through 
and uh, the FBI are trying to stop people blogging about it. And part of the film is the blogs that have that have still got out there. And some of it's on CCTV, some of it's from cell phone footage and like CDC Skype calls and stuff. But it's um, it's got a couple of cheap jump scares, but it's actually really good at selling the idea of the panic in this small town, which you realize is probably going to spread to the next town and the next and the next. It's a really effective movie and um, really well made and good use of found footage, but it kind of disappeared for whatever reason. Um, the other interesting thing about it, as it's a found footage movie, is that the main actress is actually called Kether Donahue. Kether Donahue. Yeah, Kether. So basically Heather Donahue, but with a K. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Well, the there we go. There we go. Oh, I just but, don't know. But I think I've only seen that once. So that's probably when it first came out. It's really good. Yeah. And yeah, Mayhem. That's another one. Yeah, I was about to say there's uh, things like Mayhem and ah uh, Ravers, Ravers, which is, oh yeah, Ravers, which yes. is that the thing with the drink. Are they zombies or are they just they're just rages, rage, ragey? They are. I I would say they are more on the Mayhem ended things so you know they yeah so, so mayhem is the the one where you know they see they see red and of course red eye and they everybody else they're not that film we don't film um they start uh whoever gets it basically if you get angry girl and then you pass it on to somebody else so ravers is the one where i can't what the drink's called but they drink they're making a drink and somebody puts too much of one um chemical into the drink which then makes people uh their rage centers of their body become more active so they become angry and start mm. tearing people they're, they're, they're more they're, their strength and everything's uh, more up than anything so yeah i think they're just roided up people more than anything as opposed to actual zombies yes that's right yeah and there wasn't a, yeah. yeah mayhem's great yeah i like mayhem Maybe that's the ultimate um, movie for anyone that's ever worked in an office, isn't it? It's um, <laughs> and I think Joe Lynch, when we saw it at Fright Fest, I think we saw it at Fright Fest. Um, yeah. His whole point was was how miserable his uh, office experiences was. So he made a film where you know the CEO gets thrown out of the window and um, and everybody has a breakdown of their inhibitions and just shag each other or kill each other with electric fans. Um, yeah. And it's got that great HR guy in it as well. It's very much a film for anyone that's bitter about an old job. <laughs> Literally cutthroat environment. Don't nail gun the messenger. Yeah. Nail gun the ma that's a different film. They have a gun massacre. Nail gun massacre. Um The Crazies remake. I was yeah, that's quite a good one. I was gonna mention that the Crazies remake, but I mean, there's actually there's there's probably if you was to be really picky about it and go through each individual film, there's probably a lot more out than we think there is in regards to the virusy pandemics thing. Mm. Yeah. Like, I, like I said, it's a thin line between going from the virus into post-apocalyptic or, or virus into zombies. If you used to include the post-apocalyptic as well as the zombie films with the virus as well, then, you know, you're talking hundreds upon hundreds of films. Yeah. So any more you got? Because my list is now done. My, 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 note, my note list is done. It's, it's been interesting it? yeah and these movies um like constantly mirror what's happening in the real world so um like from the the vietnam era crazies of the 70s and the the 2010 i think it was the remake of the crazies which is really good and also has lim lowry on a on a bike being a bit mad um 
is very much a horror movie about a time when there was a, another unpopular Gulf War happening. And it's all about that, you know, that era of America where the military is even more faceless and, and threatening and hostile. Um, yeah, that's yeah. a great, that's a good remake, actually. The other one I was wanted to mention is a, is an underrated one called The Ebola Syndrome. Yeah, I was going to mention that. But Which I, is I, good fun. I, we was going, as we was going through, you know, individual lists, I was looking at it and going, He's mentioned that film. He's mentioned that film, and of course, and I've probably done the same thing. You've probably mentioned, <laughs> I've probably mentioned some films, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, that one. But yeah, I like the Abode Syndrome. I've seen that a fair few times. That's ninety three, I think. Yeah, it's, it's one of those ones in the the Hong Kong um, category three films, like the Untold Story. It's basically the same guy as Anthony Wong. Yeah. Um, yeah, everybody should check out the Abode Syndrome for cheery pandemic watch because it is kind of a comedy, really. Um, and it was in that time, it, right after outbreak, where people were slightly worried about Ebola, but comfortable in the fact that it probably wouldn't come and kill us here in the West. Um, but he's he's like a he's like a like a chef, isn't he? And yes. he he um he has the misfortune of happening to rape a woman who showers him with mucus before he kills her, and she's got Ebola, unfortunately for him. But he gets he's immune to it, so his mission is to spread it around Hong Kong, like by putting it in his buns, not those buns. Um, or just by spreading the germs deliberately and deliberately infecting people. Um, so a bit yeah. like a, a bit like I drink your blood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, these movies are just r- variations on the same thing as before. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's completely mean spirited. He kills children and uh, showers people in vomit and pee. But it's good fun. The Ebola syndrome. Check it out. No, I won't be going to your parties anytime soon if that's your idea of that. <laughs> It's just entertaining. It's good escapist entertainment. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it was 1996 is when that came out. Ah, yes. So, I remember yes. it well. But uh, yeah, that's that's all from my list. If you've got any others you want to oh. chuck a mention out to or anything. I mean, we, we could have went into TV series territory as well, but then we definitely would have been here all day. Yeah, I don't really, I don't know much about TV. Um yeah oh, actually tv yeah um sorry just checking my original list the only other thing i didn't mention there was a great 80s miniseries about rabies called the mad death which was shown on bbc back in the early 80s a three-part miniseries which uh i would have watched when i was really young probably when it was first shown and absolutely terrifying really harsh and set in scotland very depressing as it would be set in scotland and um, it's just about uh, an outbreak of rabies at a time where rabies was a big thing to be afraid of. It was the thing they'd have posters in the UK at train stations and airports and stuff, terrifying you into being aware of uh, rabies coming into the country. And The Mad Death is one of those great, bleak, almost Romero-style British miniseries that somehow found their way onto primetime TV, even though they've got scenes of people killing dogs and going absolutely mad. Um, and, of course, on a final note, the greatest virus movie ever made, especially in the horror vein, is The Thing. The Thing. With no match whatsoever. By far the best example of this kind of stuff. It just happens to feature gloopy monsters, but it's a virus movie. Which which, which thing? We talking the... Uh, I, I'm trying to remember how they advertised it. Was it a prequel or a sequel or whatever it was? The 2000, whatever it was. Well, I really like the prequel and the 50s movie is a great monster movie. But the John Carpenter movie, which is the closest to the original story, is uh, is, a, is the greatest virus movie of all time. It's a great movie. Yeah, absolutely. Probably probably alongside The Fog, I'd probably say that's the 
one of John Carpenter's films. I've probably seen them most. I've probably seen The Thing mm. and The Fault more than I've seen Halloween, which I know is probably sacrilege to some people because of Halloween, etc. But he has made other films apart from Halloween. Well, I think, yeah, Halloween's wonderful. Halloween's great, but I, I think I've seen Halloween enough now. But the thing I can never grow tired of watching, I think it's got it's got a lot more going on than Halloween. Halloween's fantastic, but once you've seen it 20 times, you don't really benefit much from watching it again. So I do watch the thing more, and and it does hold up really, really well. I'm looking forward to the 50th anniversary of uh, DVD Blu-ray release of Han- Halloween coming out with another John Carpenter audio commentary. <laughs> yeah. Remembering less and less as each release comes. Yeah, oh. yes. What are we talking about? What? Yeah. <laughs> Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the thing is fantastic. And the thing is, it's got those great doomy moments like the, the very 80s computer graphic where it projects how fast this thing will spread. It's now something that we're seeing on the news all the time. Oh, Christ. Oh, okay. Um, but in the thing, it's uh, it's extremely alarming. I, I would imagine there has been a few Italian films, so maybe sort, sort of like knockoffs of um, you know big mainstream ones. So uh, Contamination is a knockoff of Alien. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So you, so you got that, and yeah, there's probably other ones out there of other different countries. But yeah, there is loads out there. So we've probably mentioned a few that people have probably seen and probably a lot that they're like oh yeah i forgot about that and i could rewatch. watch um where does the virus in nightmare city come from is that radiation i've uh, forgotten uh i meant oh the umberto lenzi film yeah which is a zombie film Stephen. oh yeah. no no what sorry no no say? no it's not a zombie film it's not a zombie film Stephen. danny boyle said it his film wasn't a zombie film but <laughs> forgot to mention that he ripped off every other romero film Hmm, Nightmare City. What was his? What was his quote? Uh, something along the lines of, "It's not a horror film." <laughs> it's it's. People always say that I'm one of the one of the inspirations of the Italian um, zombie <laughs> zombie films, but no one said that. <laughs> Nightmare City isn't a zombie film. The City of the Walking Dead is also known as. But um, yeah, they're radioactive monsters. That's what he says. Oh. They're monsters, aren't they? So they're radioactive monsters. I don't think it actually tells you in the film what the where it's come from. I don't recall it mentioning they're, it. They're radioactive monsters in Zombie Makeup. That's the that's the don't be silly. Thing. No, Stephen. That's radioactive monster makeup. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yes. So I do like that film. Though. It's, got, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's got the aerobics massacre. <sighs> Great film. Oh. An Italian special is on its way. It has to be. <laughs> yeah, those movies. Uh, if anything would cheer you up during this kind of thing, it is those those mad, mad Italian horror films. Um, <laughs> Nightmare City is hilarious. Mm. And the the I'm sure we'll speak about these in the next episode, which is the zombie one. Um, where I'm sure we'll mention some of the uh, Italian zombie movies in that one. Ooh. But if yep. you haven't got anything else to say, Stephen, we're going to wrap this episode up. Yeah, that's it. That was good. Okie dokie. Well, next episode, Stephen, we will be talking about zombies, which oh. kind, of find it kind of continuing the vein we're in at the moment. So zombies will be our thing. And on that episode, Stephen, it won't not just be myself. It will not just be you. Same it, will, it will be another person. It will be yes. our very own zombie fan herself lover of maggot infested corpses 
it will be our very own Sarah Bud coming on to talk about zombie films because she loves them so much. She's a zombie lover for sure. So she will be coming on and I'm sure she'll have a lot of uh, insight between between uh, different movies. And who knows, we may turn her on to different zombie films and maybe she'll do the same to us. Ooh. Perhaps. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what the future holds? But... Um, I will give a, a, a quick plug to a few things. So if people want to uh, potentially want to ask us to um, talk about a certain film, maybe set, an, set a, a theme for an episode of the podcast that they're listening to, they can go on to patreon.com forward slash horror screams. And if they chuck in a little bit of money, they can have a, a whole episode dedicated to whatever they want us to talk about. So for instance, if you wanted to talk about us talk about just I don't know, films about aliens or whatever then because you've chucked a bit of money our way we will be doing exactly that so do check out patreon.com forward slash horror screams and of course there is now a weekly quiz on the youtube channel the horror vault which is on the uh usually the last friday well last friday every week obviously because there's only one friday in each week and mm-hmm. uh, so um at 9 p.m. with various people being on different episodes and yeah of course check out horror screams uk for all your horror movie news reviews interviews etc and more but uh anything you want to say Stephen? no it's it's been a good time looking forward to the old zombie special yeah that's exactly Um, what i was about to mention the uh, zombie special will be going as always like the podcast it goes up last friday of every month and next month's episode will be going on 29th of may 2020 wow and we are watching what Stephen? get the film right oh no the pressure uh, <laughs> the film next year next issue next no, episode next episode. Uh, we'll get it. <laughs> we've got a magazine as well is uh is uh, yeah no it's not that so i know it's that it's hard rock zombies yes correct we are watching hard rock zombies 1985 which you, if you haven't ever seen <laughs> just go check out the trailer then you know exactly what we'll be talking about oh in it's lovely episode. isn't it it's hard awesome, rock zombies though. is really lovely yeah that's that that is again essential viewing if you want cheering up in gloomy times hard rock zombies will do the trick it was uh, it was me that introduced you and sarah to that film wasn't it yes the, and what's the uh, what's the movie that came out after it that includes um, it in the story the american drive-in is that what yeah, it's called or the last really... drive-in or something like uh, that america uh, maybe the first, yeah maybe american drive-in that's good fun i think it's american drive-in but mm. yes yeah, by, by the same thing and <laughs> they have the uh the hard rock zombies is showing in the on the the theater that they're at yeah that's right in the drive yeah Hard Rock Zombies, I figure, is is silly enough and fun enough to be uh, like family friendly, right? I was thinking of showing that to my daughter. Yes, I mean there is some elements in it. You probably think, oh, maybe not, maybe not that bit. Maybe, 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 too maybe you should rewatch it first and then consider whether <laughs> uh, whether to uh, show it to your daughter. But yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely worth a rewatch. I love the soundtrack to it. So yes, <laughs> yes, that's it. It's, it's it is the quintessential mid eighties zombie movie. Fantastic, yeah. Before we go off, I'll just let people know what the other film, the other film was called: American Driving. Got it. Yeah, just to make sure. So yes, so next episode will be going live on the 29th of May, twenty twenty, and we will be talking about well, zombies in general, but of course, the retro rewind is Hard Rock Zombies from nineteen eighty five, and of course, 
if you're new to this podcast, you can find us in majority of uh, podcast places now. So check us out on all the, obviously, the mainstream ones and other ones that potentially are out there. So until next episode, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye, folks. Stay safe. Stay safe. Oh! <laughs>